Insurance and Injury Law Show, it's back. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is always a good way to reach out, get a hold of uh, James Savan, the rest of the team as well. Guys, got lots to cover in the show today, a bunch of emails and questions, of course, and the information you give each week is vital when it comes to long-term disability. Fightformyltd.com, by the way, is another website we're going to talk about in the injury calculator, uh, as mentioned. First, so we always like to start each week with a week that was. I know uh, you guys both have one or two to, uh, to talk about so savan will uh, we'll kick off with you what's going on all right john well i have a very interesting case uh, this lady uh gave us a call about uh, a long-term disability issue that she's having now she went on a short-term disability back in march of 2016 so we're talking about almost two and a half years ago and she was on that for uh, about six months and then afterwards when that was exhausted she went on ltd long-term disability now she was denied LTD in March 2017, or she was cut off LTD at that point. She's unionized. She's an ambulance communications officer. Now, she had her union appeal the denial. And guess what, John? What do you think happened to that appeal? Oh, went nowhere. Exactly. It was (laughs) exactly, absolutely. So she was unsuccessful. And, uh, you know, the, the disability that she has, it's, it's, it's a mix of things. She has depression, anxiety, chronic pain in her spine. She, she has a syndrome that I've never even heard about before, Hashimoto's disease, right. which is an autoimmune disease that yeah. affects the thyroid. She has, get this, John, family doctor, psychiatrist, rheumatologist, endocrinologist, all of these individuals, all of these uh, people who are treating her, these doctors, MDs, are all saying that she's unable to work. And uh, she doesn't know what to do. So she's contacted us. And again, we're talking about, you know, this happened, uh, you know, over a year ago. And, and, you know, the reason that I'm bringing this up is, is, you know, for two reasons, really. Number one, if you're a unionized employee and you were denied or cut off LTD, you know, be careful of simply going to your union automatically and having them appeal a decision for you. Now, in many instances, even if you are unionized, we can actually help you with your LTD claim. You know, the, L- the, the, the union lawyers are there, uh, you know, to assist you with union and work-related issues. LTD is not really within, you know, their expertise. So you have to be very careful in having them advocate for you uh, with respect to LTD. The second thing that, you know, was a red flag for me immediately was the fact that they had appealed the denial of LTD. And we've talked about this so much. I mean, I, I you know, get tired of hearing myself and James talk about this. If you are denied or cut off LTD, yes, you can appeal that decision, but that that appeal essentially is you asking the insurance company to reconsider their decision. You're asking the essentially the same people uh, or their colleagues to go back on a decision that they had already made to cut you off or to deny your claim. Right. Chances are, if you do that, you're going to get denied again and again and again. And you have to remember the clock keeps ticking. Right from the moment you get that first denial or you've been cut off LTD, that two-year limitation clock is ticking. You have to be extremely careful. So this person has now been without any payments from their uh, disability insurer for over a year. And the reality is, from our experience, at least in our office, because we do this every day, most of these claims, most of them get resolved within that one year. So guess what? If that person had contacted us when she was initially denied March of last year, we probably would have already resolved her claim. Now we have to start the legal claims process, and we're going to get the insurance company to the table 
and they're going to end up paying, especially in light of the fact that she's got, again, four doctors, all of whom are saying that she cannot work. So, you know, just if you are out there, you're in that situation, you are unionized, don't immediately have that gut instinct of going to your union automatically and asking them to help you. Give us a call first, talk to us, let us review the documentation. It's going to cost you nothing. Yeah, for us I, to review this. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. I think the instinct should be to give us a call first. And the reason for that is because we can give you the answer on whether or not um, this is something that we can help you with very quickly. The only thing that we need in order to figure that out is your collective bargaining agreement, which usually we can find online. And then it's usually a, you know, a five, 10 minute review of what's in there. And we can give you an answer on that. And that can even be done on the phone if you like. So it's not a problem. Give us a call. You won't be wasting any time by doing it. You'll get free information. If we can't help you, then so be it. We'll let you know and we'll explain to you exactly why. But more often than not, we can. And even in situations, there are situations that come up with unionized people who have been cut off LTD and they have a collective bargaining agreement. And that agreement looks as though it's one where we are not able to help. In other words, it looks as though Um, The collective bargaining agreement is saying, oh, no, you have to go through the grievance procedure with your union. Even in some of those cases, when we contact the insurer and ask them whether they'll agree to allow us to represent you um, in a case where the collective bargaining agreement suggests that you can't, there are many cases where the insurer will say, you know what, that's fine. You can go ahead and do it, and we won't challenge that it should be through the union. So give us a call. There's really nothing to lose. You'll just get some free information, and then you can make your own decision. Lots more to get through, guys. We'll uh, take our first short break here and get right back into the week that was. Your emails as well. That number we keep repeating, and we'll uh, continue to do so. one 990 9646 Email as well. Help at the Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show contact is easy, one 990 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Week that was continues. I know, James, you wanted to chime in with something as well, pal. What's going on? I had a lady come to see me um, about a week or so ago, and she's been cut off her, or she was denied, I should say, her long-term disability. Before I get into um, her particular case, I want to talk generally about psychological impairments. Um, A lot of times people feel like if their injury or impairment is psychological as opposed to physical, that they don't have a strong enough case, that it's going to be too difficult to challenge the insurance company. Something we've talked about several times on the show is um, the change of definition. And just to remind everybody, if you are getting long-term disability benefits, in most cases for the first two years, you get those benefits as long as you can show that you are not able to do the occupation that you were doing at the time you became disabled. Then there's a change of definition after two years, at which time it becomes whether or not you can do any occupation. And what we have said is for people who have primarily psychological impairments um, or or cognitive impairments, it is actually a stronger case um, in those circumstances at that change of definition Because if you have a physical impairment, oftentimes you can't do the job that you had before, but there are other jobs that you can do. When you have a psychological impairment, that is very frequently not the case, Um, particularly if there is, you know, any degree of severity. um, Oftentimes it will just disable you from doing anything at all. So in that sense, um, if you have a psychological impairment, um, your case can be stronger. But I would say in the case I'm about to talk about highlights a way in which even at the outset, 
a psychological impairment can create a stronger case at the beginning. So this lady that came to see me, um, she had suffered a back injury. Um, she had been previously diagnosed as bipolar, but it was managed. She was continuing to work. So she suffers this back injury, and it's not a severe injury. It's something that you know probably would have kept her off work for a few weeks, maybe a month or two, but not likely something that would have been a long-term issue. But while she's off work, she develops significant anxiety and depression, which is not uncommon um, for people who have you know, bipolar disorder and have you know suffer a trauma. It's not uncommon for that to develop. And so she develops this anxiety and depression and can't go back to work, and she is cut off, or, or I should say denied, her long-term disability. The reason why I say in her case um, there is a strength to her case that may not be there where it's physical is because the fact that they have denied her case in a situation where they know she's suffering from anxiety and depression, that adds to you know their, the exposure of the insurance company because insurance policies are there for peace of mind. And so now you have an insurance company that is denying benefits to someone who has a pre-existing condition that is known um, to make them vulnerable to suffering from anxiety and depression. She has trauma, and now she is, in fact, suffering anxiety and depression. And the denial of those benefits not only is preventing her, obviously, from getting the benefits she's entitled to, but it's actually making her situation worse. And they know that. They know that it's making it worse. And so what this creates is added risk to the insurance company because now there is a legitimate claim for extra contractual damages, punitive damages, aggravated damages, exemplary damages. It may or may not reach that level at the end of the day, but there is a risk there now to the insurance company because their denial is, in fact, making this lady's situation worse. And when there is added risk to the insurance company, at the end of the day, they're going to be much more reasonable on what they should be paying for the benefits. And so if you are out there and you are suffering from a psychological impairment and you've been denied or you've been cut off, um, don't feel as though you're in a situation where you know you've got nothing that you can do, or that you know it's all you know, it's all in your head, and no one's going to believe you. Not so. In fact, the courts are moving in a very different direction. The courts are more and more recognizing that psychological um, and cognitive impairments have to be put on the same plane as physical impairments. And so, you know, the courts are um, being are, are finding much more favorably for people in those situations. And you know, from our perspective, you know, we see this as something that we need to be challenging insurance companies on because for years, especially in disability insurance, insurance companies have been taking advantage of people in this situation. And they've been doing it because the courts have been allowing them to. And that's changing. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you are suffering from a psychological impairment and you feel like there's nothing you can do, you can. Give us a call and we can challenge that decision and we can challenge it very quickly. One thing that I want to add here, John, is that especially when you're dealing with psychological disabilities, impairments, illnesses, oftentimes, you know, it really falls on the family members to take initiative, to give us a call. You know, because these individuals who are suffering at that moment, they're at the most vulnerable state. And by the way, that, in my mind, makes it even more unfair than an insurance company picking on someone who's lost his leg or her leg. I mean, you know, some some of the, the disabilities that we see in the office, I mean, people are in very, very tough spots. But when you're dealing specifically with psychological, emotional, these kinds of disabilities, people are essentially paralyzed by their own condition. 
And unfortunately, insurance companies, at least from my perspective, they take advantage of that. And they take advantage of that to either run out the clock in that the person simply gets to a point where they can't make a legal claim anymore because too much time has passed, or uh, they bully effectively these individuals. And so again, you know, when James says, give us a call, it's not just you, the individual who's suffering. If you are a family member of someone in that situation, if you are a friend of someone who is experiencing this, you give us a call. Put us in touch with that person. Let us be able to help them. At the very least, we'll be able to give them some information that may be useful for them, gives them some options that they can consider as to how they want to deal with the situation. But not to do anything, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's being complicit in what the insurance company is doing. We'll take a short break, guys. I know you got one more case you want to talk about, Savannah, and then we'll bounce over to your emails as well. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And the phone number anytime, toll-free, of course, one 990 The Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 The number anytime. Get a hold of Savannah, James, or the rest of the team. That is the number to use. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some emails a little later on in the show here. But uh, you added uh, one more case before we do that to talk about, Savannah. What's that about? Yeah, John, uh, there's one website that we keep emphasizing on every show, and that's Mm mydisabilityquestions.com. And actually, this morning, I received a question which uh, raised an interesting point. So let me raise that uh, or or read uh, the the question that was posted. Now, this person, uh, her name is Lisa, and she's from England. But you'll see in a second why it's relevant to our discussion. So here's uh, what she wrote. I've been in receipt of LTD since 2009. In 2016, we contacted, and then she gives the name of the insurance company, to ask if there would be any impact on our payment if we were to move to the UK to seek treatment, as Canadian doctors could offer no alternative to painkillers. We were assured that there was no problem in moving. We have emails proving that we were told it was okay. My last annual medical assessment in 2017 was also completed in the UK. The insurance company has continued to pay LTD every month until June of this year. Hmm. We received an email around April to say that I had a new caseworker. In June, I received another email asking for medical information, and we could confirm that we were residing in the UK. Now, the email is fairly long, so I'll just shorten it by saying that essentially now there is a review going on apparently internally in the insurance company with underwriting to figure out whether she should continue getting her payments. Clearly, she and her family are residing now in the UK. That's where they're getting treatments. But originally, they were living uh, in Canada. Right. And you know, this raises a very interesting point, and James and I were having a discussion beforehand. In, in quite a few, in fact, the majority of LTD policies that I have seen uh, you usually have a geographical restriction. You, you know, you, you can't live uh, outside of the country and receive LTD. Oftentimes, you even have restrictions in terms of, you know, uh, vacations and, and just, you know, getting out of the country in general. In this case, though, this lady was actually corresponding with a case manager, her case manager, the LTD person who was responsible for from adjudicating the, her claim. From, from the insurer. From the insurance company. Yeah. And she has written correspondence from them saying, it's okay for you to go there. It's okay for you to live there. And guess what? They continued paying her for a few (sighs) years while she was there. Now, the interesting situation, obviously, is now they are reconsidering their position because there's somebody new in charge of her file. I will tell you this, John. We're in touch with her right now. We're getting more information. But this raises the point of what happens with an insurance company disregards certain sections and provisions of the LTD policy 
and you rely on that, you rely on the insurance company adjuster or caseworker telling you something is okay, you do it in contravention of the policy, can the insurance company subsequently say, no, sorry, it's in contravention of the policy, we're going to now cut you off? I think there is an extremely powerful argument to say that the insurance company has now waived, waived its right to rely on those restrictive provisions. And I think that if they were to cut her off now, especially when she's over there in the UK with her family, I actually think this opens the door to those extra contractual uh, and, and, and punitive damages that could be sought against the insurance company in this case. I, I totally agree. Um, the legal phrase that is used is the doctrine of detrimental reliance. Um, and so what's happened here is that she's relied on what her insurance company um, has done, waiving that particular um, provision in the policy that would have prevented her from going to the UK to get treatment. And in doing so, you know, she's, um, you know, moved her entire family there. She's built a life there. And if they're now saying that they, the insurance company wants to rely on it, well, first of all, I don't think the courts are going to allow them to, um, you know, rely on that provision. They've waived it. And so I don't think they're going to be entitled to. But even if they are entitled to, they're still going to be at risk for having to pay her cost of having to move back. Um, and that's going to be significant and for uprooting her entire family. Um, and I'm sure there are other damages that flow from that as well. So this puts the insurance company in quite a bind and creates a lot of exposure on them. And the minute that they see a claim come across their desk on this, they're going to understand the type of exposure that they have. So, you know, the thing to do here is, you know, we start a claim on this and we start a claim as quickly as we can. Um, and let them know that you know they have the exposure because as soon as this moves from claims to legal, and that happens any time that there is a claim issued, um, the the response from the insurance company is very different very quickly. And you know, John, it's really good that she she reached to us all the way from the UK and right. got in touch with us for this. Imagine people here who live in this province, who live in this country, oftentimes feel intimidated. They don't want to stand up to the insurance company. This lady actually. You know, despite the fact that she's all the way over there, she's you know even in a more vulnerable state. Arguably, she's she's across you know the ocean. Uh, we're going to be able to help her. There's not even a question in my mind. We're going to be able to help her, and it's only because she actually took the initiative to contact us, and we can give her those options now. My guess is that uh, the radio signal probably doesn't reach the UK, so more than likely, she has uh, family or friends here that heard the show and probably told her to give us a call. That's true. Or you guys are just too popular. Face it. Everybody knows you. It's worldwide. That's how go. it's going now. Or she listened online, right? She could have done either of those. Syndicated across the globe, John. That's it. It's it's soon to happen. We got a uh, pretty uh, lengthy question by Wanda. I'm going to read here very shortly. But before we get into that, it's going to take some time, and your answer will as well. I want to take a uh, short break, so we give it its... It's correct amount of time. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six or email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show. It's on the way. Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number, or you can go to email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll talk about this uh, shortly as well. The injury calculator. You'll want to find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. Uh, very simple. There's a tool for that called Injury Calculator. It takes about uh, thirty seconds or less. There's no commitment. There's no charge. You can do it anonymously, or you can uh, contact James, Savan, or the rest of the team at the bottom of the particular uh, app. Again, injurycalculator.ca. So, Wanda, we'll get to your question. It says. Uh, I've been diagnosed over three years ago with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue a few years before that, uh, and my fibromyalgia has gotten so bad now that I require a walker 
If I have to do any walking or shopping, I've been denied twice already from the insurance for my long-term disability and have not received any income since the end of May, since my unemployment ran out for that sick leave. I've sent all my reports from all the specialists and my doctor to the insurance company. Human Resources for my work has also been fighting with the insurance company, fighting for me, and they still have denied me. What else can I do without showing them in person that my rheumatologist stated I'm unable to work? My doctor stated I am unable to work, and the human resource manager assured them that I am not able to work, as she has personally seen me struggling to work as long as I could and is aware that my vacation was not used for vacation purposes. It was used as sick days, and then once that was used up, I would have to be off without pay. My illness is so unpredictable that the slightest bit of stress uh, stress can flare it up, and the work I'm involved in is quite stressful. Just wanted suggestions how to explain this to them. Thank you very much. Wow. Wanda, uh, thank you so much for writing to us. Um, I I can tell you that, you know, Wanda and I have not spoken on the phone. I have not met Wanda, but I feel like I know Wanda a little bit. I feel like Wanda is a type of person who thinks the best of people, who thinks that people, you know, will ultimately do the right thing, want to do the right thing. And she believes that her insurance company or the adjuster handling her claim simply just doesn't understand yet. That they're, you know, just not quite getting it. And if she could just explain it to them in a particular way, all of a sudden they're going to get it and the, you know, the pieces will fall into place and everything will be okay. And so, it, you know, it pains me a little bit, Wanda, to tell you that unfortunately, um, you know, that's not what we're dealing with here. I do not believe it is the case that your insurance company doesn't understand. I think they understand perfectly well what's going on. I think they understand exactly what you're going through, and I think they have still made the decision not to pay your benefits, and they're doing that simply because they feel like they can get away with it. They feel like you will continue to try to appeal the decision. Um, You say you've been denied twice, so um, you've um, certainly appealed it um, at least once in there, um, and that you're going to continue through that process, that internal appeals process that we talk about all the time, that is entirely within the insurer's discretion, and that you will likely continue to do that until the two years after the denial is up and you no longer have any options, legally speaking. I'm glad that you wrote to us, and now we can actually stop that cycle. As long as we start your claim within two years of the den- of the denial, and it seems like um, we would be able to do that, we can challenge them. We can, you know, it's not a matter of explaining to them what's going on. It's a matter of showing them that they are going to have their feet held to the fire, that they are not going to be able to get away with doing whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And it's as simple as that. As long as you do not challenge them legally, they will continue to do whatever they want to do. And what they want to do is not pay benefits. It's as simple as that. They are a corporation. They are there to make money. And they make money by paying less benefits and taking in more premiums. Simple as that. We need to challenge them legally, and that's what we should do. And, uh, you know, Wanda, one of the things that jumped at me when um, when I saw this, this email, uh, the question posted on, on the MyDisabilityQuestions.com website, is that the human resources manager at your place of employment went to bat for you. That's very rare for yep. me to see. And I got to say, I don't know where, where you're working, but, uh, you know, clearly they believe you. Clearly they are supporting you. And that, in addition to all the specialists who are sending in reports, if that has not persuaded this insurance company that you, in fact, cannot work, James is 110% right. 
I mean, there's not even a question in my mind without even seeing any other documentation that they are playing the long game here. They're trying to figure out if they can wear you out or if they can get you to miss that clock, that two-year limitation period. Now, you started your email by saying, I've been diagnosed over three years ago with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, but it's gotten worse uh, recently. So again, the question is, are we still within that two-year limitation period? And you know, John, one, one of the most frustrating things that we see in the office is that you know we speak about the two-year limitation period, but if someone comes to us after two years of not having any money come in, can you just imagine the amount of stress that person is under, yeah. that their family is under? In many instances, people are losing their homes. In many instances, their families are strained. I'm not talking about just immediate families, brothers, sisters, parents who are supporting them. I mean, again, there is no reason for that to happen. And you, and we can resolve it for you. That's the thing. Insurance companies simply play the game of, are you go, are you going to stand up to them or not? Right. They they want you to to feel like you have no power. It, the reverse is true. And again, you know, I'll, I'll mention this because I've mentioned this before, and it's important for you to understand. Both James and I have worked for insurance companies in the past, so we've seen it on the other side. They're playing poker with you. Yeah. Okay, they're simply assuming you're going to fold at some point. That's the reality. And the reality is as soon as you stand up, as soon as you say, I have certain rights, they will bend. We have seen this. We do this every day. And there's, there's no exception to that rule unless what you're telling us is not true. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number. How to use that email? Simple help at the insurance We'll get to one from Russell after we take a short break and get into the injury calculator, give you some details on that as well. This is the insurance and injury law show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. The number anytime is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six or help at the insurance Just want to, uh, before we bounce ahead with another email, guys, uh, you wanted to say something about uh, our previous uh, letter. That was from Wanda, right, James? It was. And so Wanda wrote in her email, um, She within that she said, my illness is so unpredictable that the slightest bit of stress can flare it up and the work I'm involved in is quite stressful. Um, so there's two things that really flow out of that. The first is what I was actually talking about at the beginning of the show, um, which is that the denial here is also certainly going to be stressful, and that denial is aggravating Wanda's condition, no doubt. So there is even greater strength in the extra contractual damages argument that we talk about frequently on the show. But the other thing I want to talk about is this unpredictable nature of um, of Wanda's condition. Um, frequently we see this with people who have, you know, conditions that ebb and flow and that can be triggered um, quite easily that, you know, you might get improvement um, over, you know, a few days or a few weeks or even a few months, but then significant setbacks. And what you'll see is that the insurance company will try and use any improvement over any period of time as evidence that you're better. Insurance companies like to see the world as binary. You either have a condition or you don't. And if you have improved at all that, that means you're all better, even if it's only a slight improvement, and even if you're still quite vulnerable to setbacks, as is obviously the case for Wanda. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case you're in a similar situation where you're dealing with something that um, comes and goes, and it's not always there. It doesn't mean that you, you're not entitled to benefits. Um, you know, if you have a condition that can be triggered quite easily, even if you are having good days, even if you're having several good days, it doesn't mean that you're ready to go back to work. That's a question that has to be answered by a medical professional, um, but it doesn't mean that you're not qualified or that you're not entitled to benefits under the policy. 
want to bounce over to another email as promised this one from russell uh, russell says i was recently let go from my job and i was offered severance i didn't sign the papers yet i'm currently on long-term disability but that is coming to an end in three months because i've reached that two-year mark my doctors say that I can't go back to work yet, and uh, I'm just trying to understand what my options are now that I have no job and I'm being cut off disability. I'm 53 years old, and I worked as a, a product engineer. Russell, uh, so the the um, situation you find yourself in um, is interesting because, like many people, you are dealing both uh, with an employment issue yeah. with your employer and an LTD issue. So there are four things that immediately jump at me. Number one. Uh, if you've been let go from your job while you're disabled and you've been offered severance, do not sign any papers whatsoever. We have to figure out if the severance is appropriate. That's number one. And we have employment lawyers, and of course, Lior has that uh, show of his, the employment hour that mm-hmm. uh, we, we all know about, and, and the TV show uh, where he talks about these issues. The second issue that jumps at me, other than figuring out if your severance is appropriate, is the fact that they are letting you go while you are disabled which is a violation of the Human Rights Code, which means that you are potentially entitled to human rights damages. Okay, very important. And this flows into a third point, which is this. Any severance you get potentially affects whatever you're getting from your LTD insurance company. If you were to look at your LTD policy, the majority of them contain provisions that say that if you receive severance, we are entitled to a deduction from whatever we are paying you. So in other words, you can't get the severance as well as the LTD payments for the same time. You know, you can't get both of them. Uh, The insurance company gets a credit. Now, because you are being let go while you are disabled and there's a human rights component, there is a potential way of structuring a settlement with the employer to lessen the impact on the LTD. We're not doing anything that's inappropriate here. What we're saying is that you LTD, you may be entitled to a deduction for whatever severance Russell gets, but to the extent that whatever money he gets from his employer is for human rights damages because you've let him go or you're letting him go while he's disabled, the LTD insurer cannot get a part of that. So it's very important to understand. The bottom line is that by dealing with both issues concurrently with the LTD insurer as well as with the employer and figuring out how to uh, you know, structure the settlement with the employer, we're trying to put more money in your pocket. Now, that leads me to my fourth point, which is why are you getting cut off disability? The fact that you've reached a two-year mark doesn't mean that you should be cut off disability. Unfortunately, we see many people out there who simply assume that that's the case, that after two years, they're no longer entitled to LTD. And that's simply not true. It's not true. Insurance companies may, may lead you to believe that, but that's not true. The reality is that in the LTD world, in the LTD context, You're entitled to LTD if you can show that you cannot do your own occupation for the first two years. That's the test. That's the criteria. Can you do your own job? Beyond the two-year mark, the question is, can you do any other job for which you're trained for or for which you have experience or education? So it seems to me here that if your doctors, Russell, are telling you that you can't go back to work, are they saying you can't go back to this work? as a product engineer, or can you not go back to any type of work? Because if you can't go back to any type of work at this point, there's no reason why you're being cut off. So again, we have to deal with the LTD insurer, but we have to deal with the LTD insurer in the context of what's happening to you uh, with your employer. And again, I've said this before, one of the unique things about our firm is that we have both disability lawyers, James and I handle the disability claims along with a few other lawyers, 
as well as employment lawyers, and we work hand-in-hand to maximize the amount of compensation that our clients receive. So it's really, really important for us to get in touch after the show, Russell, and actually have a chat about both issues. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number, Russell. You know the email already because that's how you contacted us. I want to get into the injury calculator as soon as we get back, and we always get questions about the, the way things work within the firm when it comes to uh, bringing on clients and clients bringing on you guys as uh, lawyers as well. So we will get to that as we continue here at the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio six forty Toronto. The number is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. Injury calculator, Savan, give me some details on it. Well, that's a that's a tool that we've developed online. That's free. Uh, it's it's quite unique uh, in Canada. I don't think that there is any other calculator like it. And what it does is it allows you to get an idea of what you could be looking at in terms of what you're entitled to for pain and suffering damages if you've been injured. If you've been injured in a car accident and a slip and fall, you want to know how much is my pain and suffering worth from a dollar value standpoint. I mean, remember. Uh, there are other people who've been in car accidents, you know, in the last, I don't know how many years, slip and falls, you know, people who have broke bones or, or had concussions, whatever. And, you know, instead of calling a lawyer, most people feel uncomfortable doing that. Uh, they just want to go online and Google, how much am I entitled to? Well, this tool essentially has a database and it allows you to input the type of injury you've suffered, when you've suffered it and essentially scans through uh, the, the, the information that we've inputted into it, and it will give you a range at the end of the day uh, of what you could potentially be looking at for compensation for pain and suffering. But remember, it's only for pain and suffering. It's not for income loss, it's not for out-of-pocket expenses, it's not for anything like that. For those kinds of details, we have to actually have a one-on-one chat. And that's why at the end of the calculator, when you get the result, you can choose to have a consultation with us. You may choose not to, in which case you just close the browser, But if you get in touch with us, we'll have a conversation, again, free of charge, and we'll go through all the facts, make sure that we understand everything, and then tell you what we think in terms of the total value of your claim at that point in time. Again, injurycalculator.ca is where you want to go for that. Now, I know you guys get this question all the time, and uh, we get emails about it, and that is, you know, when a disabled person retains your firm to represent them against their LTD insurer, uh, do you take an upfront retainer? Does that disabled person need to pay anything up front? I know you get this all the time, right? So the very short and unequivocal answer is no. no. We we do not get paid anything up front, um, nor is there an upfront retainer. And let's just talk about that word for a second, um, retainer. It's a word that gets tossed around um, quite frequently, but I want to make sure everyone understands mm-hmm. what we mean by that. And it can actually have more than one meaning. So the way um, you're asking an upfront retainer, that's referring to money that is paid to a law firm in advance of them earning their fees. So if you hire a lawyer for some business dispute and they're charging you an hourly rate, they're going to say, okay, give me 10000 bucks up front, and as I you know, bill your file, I'll just take it from that 10000 and then you have to replenish it. You're not going to pay that to us. We require no upfront retainer. None whatsoever. We only get paid at the end and only if we recover money for you. Full stop. The other way you can use the word retainer is an agreement between the firm and the client. And it's it's just another word for the contract between us. Um, so there is a retainer agreement, and that agreement describes the relationship between um, our clients and our firm. And it makes quite explicit that they're not paying us anything up front in order to enter into the agreement. So again, the short answer very clearly is no. You do not have to pay us anything out of pocket 
at the beginning, during the case, or at the end. You are not going out of pocket for, for, for your case. If we are retained for your case, you do not pay us out of your own pocket, and if there is any money that needs to be spent in order to build the evidence in your case, we will fund that as well. Email from Shannon, by the way, it is help at the insurance lawyer.ca to send an email. We got time to squeeze this in. Shannon writes in, says, uh, My husband suffers from cancer and has been treated aggressively with radiation and chemo. His doctors say that he is in no position to work right now, but because the tumors have been shrinking and the treatments appear to be working, his long term disability insurance adjuster said that he will be cut off disability in August, the end of, because uh, by then, well, he should be able to go back to work. The oncologist disagrees, but the adjuster says that eh, he doesn't care. My husband is 48, and we're, uh, we're concerned about the financial repercussions when we no longer get the disability payments. Is there any point in appealing the decision from the insurer? Perhaps if we get a second on- oncology opinion that supports my husband's oncologist, how about that? I, I think Shannon and Wanda are um, coming from the, the same school of thought and wanting to believe um, that everybody wants to do the right thing, and it's just yeah. a matter of putting the right information in front of the insurance company. Um, no, there is no point in appealing. They have the information. They understand what your husband is going through, and they don't care. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. Um, another opinion from another oncologist is not going to change anything. Um, the only thing to do is to take it out of their hands, to start a legal claim. And that will change things very, very quickly. You know, we've you know said it uh, at least three or four times on this show and probably – four or five times on every other show that we that we do, um, this is the way the insurance companies operate. They, it's not for lack of understanding. They get it. Um, they deal with these types of situations all the time. It is not that they don't understand. It is that they have an incentive to cut people off whenever they can, and that's what they're doing, and they are hoping that you're not going to challenge them. So, you know, don't let them win on that. You know, don't, don't, don't give in to what they want. Start a legal claim, and let's make sure that your husband gets the benefits that he's entitled to. You know, John, just to finish off uh, this segment and the show, there's been a lot of uh, you know articles in the Toronto Star and other papers in the last few years about uh, personal injury lawyers advertising and, and misleading the public. And you know, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I, every time we do one of these shows. And, and you know, in the evening when I turn on the TV and and or or, or on the radio when when I listen to to the news and I hear commercials from insurance companies and what are they selling you? They're selling you peace of mind. Every insurance commercial out there is selling you peace of mind. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. Like don't a good worry neighbor. about it. Exactly. Everything. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're selling you. That is their product. Insurance brokers will tell you that in good faith. And, and what happens? Look, you have Shannon who's emailing us because her husband is suffering from cancer. I mean, who, who, every person I know, certainly I've been touched by it personally in my own family. Every person I know knows someone who's suffering from mm-hmm. cancer or something that's happened uh, to them, uh, that, that, you know, remission, whatever. For the insurance adjuster to not care or to say that they don't care, to go against what the oncologist is saying here, I mean, again, that brings the, the, this show back to the beginning where James talked about those extra contractual damages, going after the insurance company, not only for what they are supposed to pay this individual, but making them pay even more than that. And we do that. We claim, when we start legal claims, we claim for punitive damages and aggravated damages. 
In, in Canada, the law is restrictive when it comes to that, but I'll tell you, there's been instances where the insurance companies have been hit with significant punitive damages. Quite recently. Quite recently and, and going far back, very far back. Now, it's not like the U.S. where you're going to get a billion dollars you know, in punitive damages, but we take these things very seriously. And again, when we go after insurance companies, it's, it's because they are selling you peace of mind. And when the time comes to actually help you, to give you that safety net, they yank it just from underneath you, and you and your family end up suffering. And, you know, the worst thing that I see people uh, doing is just simply walking away from money that is rightfully owed to them under the law. Good way to end the show this week, guys, and I'll leave uh, the listener you with some uh, some contact information. First, the phone number, one 990 We've been giving that out uh, numerous times during the show, as we uh, we always do. And the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You want to find out just uh, for interest's sake or if you need it right now how much your pain and suffering should be of an, a, a claim. It's easy. It's called Injury Calculator. That can be found at injurycalculator.ca. Till next time, Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.